Chapter 9 of Life of Luther. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michael Fascio. Life of Luther by Gustav A. Just. Chapter 9 Luther as Teacher. 1. Luther called to the University of Wittenberg. After three years spent in this cloister, Luther was called upon the stage where his battle with popery was to be fought. In 1502, Elector Frederick of Saxony had founded the University of Wittenberg. He charged Staupitz with the selection of learned and able men for this school. One of those recommended for his learning and piety was the well-known Augustinian monk Luther, who now became professor at Wittenberg. As Staupitz urged him to remove at once to Wittenberg, Luther did not even find time to bid farewell to his friends at Erfurt. Moving caused him little trouble, for a begging friar has few possessions. And thus, on an autumn day of the year 1508, we see the pale and emaciated form of the 25-year-old monk traveling the road from Erfurt and entering Wittenberg by the wooden bridge. He hurried through the long street to the Augustinian cloister, where he found shelter and lodging. 2. Luther as Professor and Preacher In obedience to his superiors, Luther at first lectured on philosophy, although he would have preferred to teach theology. And this wish of his heart was soon granted. Already in 1509 he received permission to expound the scriptures to the students. With joyful devotion he gave himself up to the study of the Bible, and diligently searched for the ground of salvation. And, indeed, he very soon created such a sensation that Dr. Melrichstadt exclaimed, quote, That monk will confound all the doctors and introduce a new doctrine and reform the whole Roman church, for he devotes himself to the writings of the prophets and apostles and stands upon the word of Jesus Christ. Unquote. Thus, God had led Luther to the scriptures, and he made them his guiding star. He felt that they alone could give him what he sought, truth and peace. Staupitz also tried to persuade him to preach, but Luther at first lacked courage. Finally, however, he consented and preached the word of Christ in the little chapel of the cloister. Its appearance was very similar to the pictures which the artists paint of the stable at Bethlehem in which Christ was born. In such a poor little church, that man began to preach who was to thrill countless souls and point the way to true peace. Very soon, citizens and students gathered in such numbers to hear him that the church could not hold them. He was then called to the large parish church of Wittenberg, whose doors were now thrown open to him. Here, he had abundant opportunity to preach the word of life in his powerful sermons to many thousands of hearers. 3. Luther in Rome By the study of the Bible and diligent preparation for his sermons, Luther steadily grew in the knowledge of divine truth, and yet he was firmly held in the bondage of popery. He still considered the Pope the vice-regent of Christ upon earth. When he was therefore directed to visit Rome in the interest of his order, it filled his heart with greatest joy. For he hoped by this visit to the holy city to find rest and comfort for his conscience. He had to make the journey on foot, and he took the pilgrim's staff in hand, and together with a companion started out for Rome. They had no need of money, 
for shelter and lodging they found in the cloisters by the way. But Luther did not enjoy the journey, for the words kept ringing in his ears, quote, The just shall live by his faith, unquote. After a long journey through beautiful landscapes, the way finally wound about a hillock, and before the eyes of the German monks lay the Roman plain, where, on the banks of the Tiber, appeared the resplendent houses, churches, and fortresses of the city of Rome. How his heart must have leaped, when, in the radiant glow of the evening sun, the city lay before him. He prostrated himself upon the ground, lifted his hands, and exclaimed, quote, Hail, holy Rome! Thrice holy because of the martyr's blood that was shed in thee, unquote. In Rome, Luther devoutly sought to satisfy the cravings of his heart. With what sincerity he went about this, we see from his own words. Quote, in Rome I was also such a crazy saint. I ran through all the churches and caverns, and believed every stinking lie that had been fabricated there. I even regretted at the time that my father and mother were still living, for I would have been so glad to have redeemed them from purgatory with my masses and other precious works and prayers." Unquote. How revolting it must have been for him to see the priests read Mass with such levity and get through hurry-scurry, rips-raps, as if they were giving a puppet show. Luther relates, quote, Before I reached the Gospel, the priest beside me had finished his Mass and called to me, Hurry up! Come away! Give the child back to its mother! Unquote. So it happened that his faith in Rome began to waver more and more, and God again and again led him there where true comfort can be found. The following is an example. On the place of St. John's there was a flight of stairs, called Pilate's Staircase, which was said to be the same on which our Savior went up and down before the palace of Pontius Pilate at Jerusalem. Now, while Luther was crawling up these steps, hoping in this way to reconcile God and atone for his sins, it seemed to him as if a voice of thunder was crying in his ears, quote, The just shall live by his faith, unquote. Thus this passage more and more became the light which revealed to him the true way to heaven. This was his opinion of the so-called holy city. Quote, no one believes what villainy and outrageous sins and vices are practiced at Rome. You can convince no one that such great abominations occur there, if he has not seen and heard and experienced it himself. Unquote. Thus, Luther learned to know popery itself in Rome, and was therefore the better qualified to testify against it later on. He said, quote, I would not for a thousand florins have missed seeing Rome, for then I would always fear that I were wronging the Pope and doing him an injustice. But now we speak that which we have seen. Unquote. 4. Luther is made Doctor of Divinity. After his return to Wittenberg, Luther took up his work with renewed diligence. One day, while sitting with Staupitz under the great pear tree in the cloister garden, his superior took his hand and said, quote, Brother Martin, I and all the brethren have concluded that you ought to become Doctor of Divinity. Unquote. Luther was frightened, and excused himself because of his youth, his need of further study, and also because of his weak and sickly body, and begged him to select a man more qualified than he was. But when his paternal friend continued to persuade him, he said, quote, Dr. Staupitz, you will take my life. I will not stand it three months. Unquote. 
to this prophecy of approaching death, Staupitz playfully remarked, quote, In God's name, our Lord has important business on hand. He needs able men also in heaven. Now, if you die, you must be his counselor up there. Unquote. Finally, Luther submitted to the will of his superior, and on the 18th of October, 1512, Dr. Karlstadt, with great solemnity, bestowed upon him the degree of Doctor of Divinity. How important this was, Luther himself points out, when he says, quote, I, Dr. Martin, have been called and forced to become a doctor without my choice, purely from obedience. I had to accept the degree of doctor, and to swear and vow allegiance to my beloved Holy Bible, to preach it faithfully and purely. Unquote. Luther, later on, often comforted himself with this vow, when the devil and the world sought to terrify him, because he had created such a disturbance in Christendom. Luther now devoted himself entirely to the study of the whole Bible, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he soon learned to distinguish between the law and the gospel. And it was only now that he clearly and fully understood the passage, quote, the just shall live by his faith, unquote. With great power, he now confuted the error that man could merit forgiveness of sins by his own good works, and be justified before God by his own piety and civil righteousness. On the contrary, he clearly and pointedly showed that our sins are forgiven without any merit of our own, for Christ's sake only, and that we accept this gift by faith alone. He proved that scriptures alone can teach us to believe right, to live a Christian life, and to die a blessed death. Thus the light of the gospel grew brighter and brighter in Wittenberg, and after the long night and darkness, the eyes of many were opened. The beautiful close of a letter which Luther wrote in 1516 to an Augustinian monk is a proof of the clear knowledge, which he already had at that time, of eternal and saving truth. It reads, quote, My dear brother, learn to know Christ, the crucified. Learn to sing to him. And despairing of thyself, say, Thou, Lord Jesus Christ, art my righteousness, but I am thy sin. Thou hast taken upon thyself what is mine, and hast given me what is thine. Meditate devoutly upon this love of his, and thou wilt draw from it the sweetest comfort. For if we could gain peace of conscience by our own works and sufferings, why did he die? Therefore, Thou wilt find peace in no other way but by confidently despairing of thyself and thy works, and trusting in him. Unquote. End of chapter 9